Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 10, 9, ignition sequence start. Space Nuts. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Space Nuts. Astronauts report it feels good. Hello and thank you again for joining us on Space Nuts, the astronomy podcast with me, Andrew Dunkley, your host, and from the Australian Astronomical Observatory, Fred Watson. Hello, Fred. <laughs> uh, greetings from Space Nut Fred, Andrew. How are you? <laughs> nice to catch up with you as always. Now, we've got a, a fair bit of focus on Mars today because there's been some uh, major announcements uh, by none other than the United States President. And there's another story about Mars that's floating around at the moment, uh, which does kind of put a bit of a question mark over long-haul travel to places like that uh, and and the um, implications of, of uh, the health of astronauts. So um, there's been quite a few stories in recent times about long-term exposure to radiation in space and the, um, the ill effects it might have. And, and here we are again with another one. So we'll, we'll look at that. And the nation of Asgardia, has been touted, and it will not be of this earth. Um, it, it's a bit of a strange, wacky story, uh, but it does seem to have deadly serious grounding, and we'll talk about that as well. But first, Fred, let's uh, talk about this um, this this push by the U.S. president to um, to get people on Mars. Um, that's that's right, Andrew. So, I mean, Mars is um, <laughs> it's a hot topic at the moment with um, with not only space missions there, but much talk of of the future. And what has happened uh, at the very highest level in U.S. politics is that uh, Barack Obama, the, the president, of course, has has uh, basically uh, reiterated his goal to send humans to Mars by the 2030s. Um, that has been something that has been on the agenda uh, since actually 2010. That was when Mr. Obama first um, uh, basically set that date. And so we've all been imagining around about 2035 as the date of the first NASA uh, human mission to Mars. And, and it, it sort of ties in as well with what else is happening in NASA, because around about the same time, in fact, a year or so later, um, the administration essentially refocused NASA's uh, priorities uh, to allow uh, a lot of the what you might call the routine work of space exploration, and that means ferrying astronauts up and down to the International Space Station and maintaining and, and servicing the International Space Station. That routine work um, is now, uh, as of that announcement a few years ago, uh, is, is devolved essentially to, to private companies, to, uh, to the commercial sector. And that uh, has, seems to have been very successful um, with uh, companies like SpaceX, uh, innovating in terms of how you get people up and down to the International Space Station. So the whole idea with that was to free up NASA's resources 
to allow them to concentrate on the big ticket items, the really big and uh, what you know what you might call blue sky projects. Mm. <clears throat> no, no, no project is more blue sky than Mars. Actually, Mars has got a pink sky, but that's because of the yeah, dust. Isn't, isn't it uh, pink during the day and blue at sunset and sunrise? That, that's correct. Yeah. Yes. So, so maybe we should refer to this as a pink sky project, <laughs> just to, so so everybody knows what we're talking about. So, yes. Yeah, so the president uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and made several addresses uh, and really called to call attention, uh, principally to government contracts, um, which have been given to six companies, in fact, to, to build um, what you might call test modules, prototypes for um, um, enclosures, modules that could sustain human life in deep space, uh, the kind of thing that you might want to put humans in if you do send people to Mars. Mm. Um, this uh, is really all about sending um, sending humans to Mars for relatively long periods. Um, it's not clear what the um, president meant when he referred to staying on the red planet for an extended time, <clears throat> but it's clearly something more than you know just the matter of a couple of days that the Apollo astronaut spent on each of the lunar missions. Well, let's so, face it, if you're going to go there, it's going to take you, you know, up, upwards of a year to, to make the trip. It's, it's a border six nine, months. nine months, four yeah, months. Nine, six to nine months. Yeah, six right. to nine months. Okay. When you get there, you don't want to spend five minutes wandering around yeah. and then jump back on your ship and spend another six to nine months coming back. No, that's, that's correct. Um, that, exactly. So, um, I, I mean, the president... Uh, focus very much on the on the challenges that are, uh, 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 you know that, that exist before um, NASA in meeting that goal of sending humans to Mars for an extended period. We'll talk about one of them in a in a minute. Um, but there is another challenge, and that is uh, not there is not that much U.S. government funding being uh, allocated to this, and it's clearly going to be very expensive. Um, the typical thinking for what it would cost to send astronauts to Mars are in the region of, I guess, 60 to 80 billion US dollars by uh, 2016 standards. So you, it's you a, could build half a dozen warships with that kind of money. <laughs> no, I'm not <laughs> well, joking. That's right. about the price. Yeah, well, that's true. That That is, um, you know, I, I often make the comparison with military spending, mm. but uh, and, and 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 space research actually is very much the poor relation on that. Uh, that's not any comment on the value of the military because that's uh, uh, that's clearly something extremely important. But the, the but the spending levels are much less. So he um, uh, Barack Obama was quoted as saying that the project would require years of patience, testing, and education, which is great. Uh, just one final comment on that. Uh, Andrew, I mean, it's great in the sense that we'll get all those things out of it, uh, especially the education. Uh, one final comment on that, though, is that this contrasts very strongly with comments made by Elon Musk only a, a month or so ago. And he, of course, is the, the founder and the, uh, <clears throat> and the director of, um, of SpaceX, the company that has contracted to NASA to provide uh, taxi services up to the International Space Station. Elon Musk has very much within his sights the prospect 
of uh, colonizing Mars. Now, that's an entirely different thing um, and <clears throat> has expressed a really quite gung-ho attitude to this, talking about building spacecraft that will take 100 people to Mars, building up over 10 years to have a million people there. That's um, uh, that is, um, I, I guess, uh, the opposite uh, end of the caution spectrum from what the president has been saying. Um, I think Elon Musk's vision is very interesting, but whether it is the right thing to do, whether ethically we should be sending all these people to Mars, is a, is a question that really has not yet been addressed. Yeah. So two very different perspectives on a, on a very interesting issue. I don't doubt that in the long term, colonisation of Mars will be possible, but as you say, uh, fraught with all sorts of bureaucratic um, complications. So uh, that will be the, the question, not can we do it, when do we do it, or do we do it at all? Yes. But what, what fascinates me about this whole thing, Fred, is that uh, if we do actually have people walking on the surface of Mars in the 2030s, we will have achieved that in less than 100 year, uh, years of uh, developing space exploration, which I think is extraordinary. Uh, absolutely right. That's, that's correct. It's, um, it, it, it reflects the pace of technolo technological advancement. You know, mm. I mean, I look back at my, my early days of being interested in space science and astronomy, and it's hard to imagine um, a world more different from what we have today. Yes, and we, we remember very vividly uh, John F. Kennedy's great speech yeah, about uh, speech sending also. people to the moon and now we're looking at Mars. I mean, it's the yeah. next logical step, obviously, but uh, uh, once they set their minds to it, they seem to just go ahead and do it. Mm. Aren't, aren't we space nuts lucky to yes. be alive at such an exciting time? Absolutely, absolutely. Especially with all these other space superpowers starting to emerge, exactly. the of India and China, and yeah. who would have thought that 30 years ago? Yeah. Mm. You're listening to Space Nuts with Fred Watson and Andrew Dunkley. Zero G and I feel fine. Space Nuts. Now, Fred, uh, still on the subject of Mars, and we have touched on issues with space travel in recent times uh, due to uh, potential health implications. And while we're talking about sending people to Mars by 2030 to walk around on the surface and spend time there and potential colonisation, it does appear there may be problems with doing that that they have to solve before we even start moving towards that planet because they're, they're now suggesting that these these people whoever they are that go may end up uh, suffering some neurological problems which which could in, in, include um, uh, rapid onset um, um, memory loss uh, or Alzheimer's or whatever you want to call it that that sounds fairly significant if indeed it's true uh, that, well, that's correct, um, and apparently it is true, Andrew. This is um, some research that's that's come out of the University of California at Irving. Um, it's actually uh, research as part of a, a NASA program. In fact, it's part part of NASA's human research program. So, this is all bound up with what we've just been talking about about Mars. But the press release about the paper um, starts off in a very provocative way. It asks the question, will astronauts travelling to Mars remember much of it? <laughs> That's the question concerning University of California Irving scientists probing a phenomenon called space brain. And what this is all about, Andrew, is, is something we've discussed before, which is the very harsh radiation environment 
that exists in interplanetary space, the space between the planets. So this wouldn't just affect astronauts going to Mars, it would affect astronauts actually going to the asteroid belt, because that's another target that has been spoken of uh, for NASA astronauts. Um, it's anywhere where you are not protected by the Earth's radiation shield, the radiation belts of the Earth. Um, and uh, that is why it contrasts so much with what we've experienced so far in, in terms of space travel. So um, the extended periods that astronauts have spent on board the International Space Station, for example, are not really affected by this kind of problem because the International Space Station is in orbit about 400 kilometers above the Earth. Um, we're all familiar with the, the sight of it flying overhead from time to time, an extraordinary spectacle to see this bright uh, light moving um, in a, in a, a very, uh, um, I suppose, gentle way across the sky. Uh, but you got to remember it's traveling at nearly eight kilometers per second that is at uh, 400 kilometers so it's well within the radiation belts of the earth and protected from the uh, largely protected anyway not entirely protected but largely protected from the radiation that comes to us actually uh, not just from the sun because we're, we're all familiar I guess with the solar wind that breeze of particles that blows from the sun but more especially from high energy um, cosmic rays mm. which are produced in our own galaxy so these are things traveling at almost the speed of light they are uh, subatomic particles of uh, various forms um, and they basically represent radiation so if you're in a spacecraft on its way to Mars you are su subjected to these uh, particles whizzing through the spacecraft and yourself and um, and, and essentially, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, bringing uh, damaging uh, influence to the tissues of your body. And most notably, as this, uh, as this um, study has demonstrated, to the tissues of your brain. So um, going to the nub of the matter, what's happened is that the researchers who've done this work uh, have kind of simulated the, uh, the the cosmic rays um, in the, and what they've done is they've they've used an accelerator uh, to generate highly energetic charged particles and then they have used that standby that old standby of medical testing uh, the poor old mouse uh, <laughs> to to demonstrate what the effect of this is on brain tissue and the effect is really quite significant um, the, uh, the there is basically it's generated levels of brain inflammation and and damage to the neurons of the brain uh, and in fact more especially and this is an image that's uh, that's supplied with the press release that i read um it's it damages the the complex neural networks that are in the brain it basically shows um a, a reduction in that complexity so that the neural networks themselves are damaged and what is perhaps most serious about this Andrew is that those um, those effects were still present six months after after the irradiation this is so bad, this is bad news because it is bad news if yeah we're if we're talking four six nine months in space one way and then having to come back um, that, it's, that, it's, that's a clear and present danger really it is and it's 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 even worse than that because mars um unlike the earth doesn't have a strong magnetic field so it doesn't have that protective so um, even when you get there you're still going to have exposure you could, 
Mm. Unless you, I mean, one of the possibilities, of course, would be to send robotic spacecraft to land um, uh, more shielded habitats on Mars. So if you build a, a, a Mars habitation module, uh, just as we were talking about a few minutes ago, if you can make that um, of a particular kind of material that will actually shield these co from these cosmic rays, then you're in much better shape when you're on the surface of the planet. The best shielding is lead. Uh, lead is not actually all that good for taking into space because it's extremely dense uh, and, of course, um, has a, a, a large um, penalty in terms of, of the mass and the fuel that's needed to get it there. But that is one possibility. Um, I think what will happen um, as a result of these studies, Andrew, is people will look at, um, once again, this possibility of shielding spacecraft, uh, or at least parts of spacecraft, uh, from the cosmic rays by by using materials, maybe not lead, but, but something that, that will actually effectively uh, reduce the flux of, of subatomic particles. So, for example, you can imagine a spacecraft that's got um, a, a compartment in it where astronauts might sleep, uh, where they might spend some of their leisure time, which is heavily shielded, whilst the rest of it, where they would only be uh, present for short periods, would be less, less heavily shielded. Mm. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe kryptonite. That, that might be yeah, the way to go. Would be good. That's right. Yeah, um, but this is just this is just another problem on top of many. We already know about muscle wastage due to low G, um, skeletal problems. We've recently heard about issues of uh, potential blindness due to um, yes, that's right. Time that's and space. Yeah. I mean, here's here's yet another physical impairment, basically. Um, that's correct, and it, what what it's highlighting is just how hazardous an environment space is. Uh, that it, you know, it isn't just like getting into a jet plane and whizzing off to Mars. It's a lot more complex and a lot more difficult. Um, and it, uh, but the other thing about this, though, is that it does promote research that could have um, tangible benefits here on Earth, because one of the preventative treatments that the group, the research group, is looking at is what are called pharmacological strategies. In other words, pills, um, uh, compounds that, uh, as they describe it, compounds that scavenge free radicals and protect neurotransmission. So if you can develop, um, um, you know, a, a, a pharmaceutical or a pharmacological solution to this problem, that might very well help us here on Earth. Uh, you know, it may it may contribute to our attack on on dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Um, one of the great, you know, one of the great problems that's facing us here on Earth, let alone in space. So um, I, I think this is research that we will hear more about, mm. and, um, and and hopefully it won't turn out to be a showstopper for space exploration. I've, I've thought of the solution. I'm so, yeah. Oh, good, good. They needed you. <laughs> Tuna in a tube. <laughs> that would do it. Tuna in a tube would do it. Yeah, well, all those omega threes that'd get your synapses cracking, you'd be fine. <laughs> that's that's uh, well. If, 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 uh, we it wouldn't smell good them. after nine months, but you'd <laughs> at least have a memory. <laughs> at least you can remember what you've eaten. A very bad one. Yeah. <laughs> More like a nightmare. Yeah, mm. that's right. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on this one because um, yeah, it is it is a, a a problem that does need to be solved before we leave the planet and go exploring elsewhere. Just just one of many, that's mm, right. Indeed. This is Space Nuts with Andrew Dunkley and Fred Watson. Space Nuts. Finally this week, Fred, we're going to look at this this um, 
idea, we'll call it an idea. Some might think it's brilliant. Some might think it's an absolute cuckoo nest. But um, the, the establishment of a new nation state in space is this is this a what's the date not april is this a joke or are they deadly serious oh it's deadly serious um whether it will get beyond uh beyond a, a proposal is a different matter uh andrew um it, it is as you say it's, the idea is to uh basically to invent a, um, a pacifist and that's i guess one of the important terms of this uh, of this uh, idea, a pacifist nation state in space, not a nation state in space, <laughs> a nation state in space. You try saying that. Oh, no, it's not. No, <laughs> I'll leave that one to you. It's um, the, the, the name that's been proposed is Asgardia. Mm. Uh, and Asgardia is a is a Nordic mythological uh, place in the sky, and so you can sort of see the link there. Uh, but the suggestion of uh, uh, the suggestion of this um, uh, of this nation state has come from uh, actually a, a Russian, uh, uh, actually a Russian entrepreneur, in fact a businessman. Um, he's set up a, a company. Uh, based in Vienna, it's called Aerospace International Research Center. His name, and I'm sure I'll pronounce this wrongly, is Dr. Igo, Igor Ashabaili. Uh, Ashabaili. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. But when this uh, when this idea was being announced, he told uh, reporters at the launch event that he wouldn't be surprised if the media labelled him a crazy Russian rocket scientist talking utter nonsense. So uh, from the words of the proposer of this, we've got um, a, a, you know, a, a likely response from the press. So far, the press haven't responded like that. Um, what's the story? Well, the idea is to set up a, a nation in space. And I'm not quite sure how you do that, whether you define a particular orbit that belongs to this nation or what. It's not clear from what I've read about it. Uh, it is clear that they are planning to put a satellite into orbit. And so maybe the orbit that, that, that is allocated to that satellite becomes the nation state. But the idea is that you give uh, this place the same status as any other nation on Earth. And that means you can have citizens of Asgardia um, and they will have passports, uh, although I'm not quite sure where you go with, a, with an Asgardia passport. Um, and you basically um, belong to that, uh, to that nation. Um, it's... That's really as far as it's got at the moment. They're talking about dis deciding on a national anthem and the design of a flag. But um, its main problem is that it seems to contravene existing space law because the space treaty, the Outer Space Treaty of 1967, actually says that um, it, uh, you can't have any national sovereignty claims in space. So you can't, therefore, invent a nation in space because the uh, Outer Space Treaty forbids it. Nevertheless, uh, that it has not stopped 50,000 people signing up for this online. Uh, so it's a bit like, you know, the Mars One project, except nobody goes to Mars in this. Um, at the moment, there is no way of getting to that hypothetical As Asgardia because there's, there's no commercial space 
flight to, that's capable of taking us into orbit. Um, and so it's not clear where this proposal is going, whether it is just a, um, a, a kind of, you know, quirky... Lame, lame brain idea. A, a way of perhaps drawing attention to the problems on Earth. Is mm. it just escapism? Um, is it about... Uh, actually setting up something that will be useful. Um, maybe I can quote uh, Dr. Asher Bailey himself, uh, because he says he wants to create a new judicial reality in space. The project is creating a new framework for ownership and nationhood in space, which will adapt current outer space laws governing responsibility, private ownership and enterprise so that they are fit for purpose in the new era of space exploration. And, uh, and I guess by that, what he means is that our traditional structure of nations and nation states here on Earth is not well suited to the idea of exploring outer space. Well, that might be true, but is this the right way to address it? I'm not sure that that's the answer. But he's also talking about joining the United Nations and uh, becoming a, um, a, um, a planetary guardian, I think I read somewhere. I mean, but, yeah. that, that, that seems to be the, 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 the nuts and bolts behind it. He wants this, this nation to be something that overlooks the planet and, and is, is there for the, the good of humanity. How you achieve uh, that, I don't know. No, that's right. <laughs> and I guess in a way that is expressing some dissatisfaction with the UN, because that is the body um, that, that that kind of role really should be, uh, should be held by. You know, if, if aliens turn up and say, take me to your leader, well, who do you take them to? You mm. probably, um, your first thought might be the Secretary General of the UN. <laughs> well, I think most people's first thought would be the President of the United States. Yes, that's right. And then, that, that's when you're going to run into trouble. Of course. And, of, of course, course, all the science fiction movies always take it to the President of the United States, not yeah. the leader of the UN. So. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting interesting scenario. Uh, I don't know how far this will go. Uh, it's an interesting idea, but I think it'll kind of go on the nutty as a fruitcake shelf. Maybe so. But mm. we were, but, you know, look, who are we space nuts to comment on things like that? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, just look at the name of our program. <laughs> All right, Fred, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much, as always, for talking to us. Great pleasure, Andrew. Good to chew the fat again. And we'll catch up with you again next time on Space Nuts. And thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, tell your friends, and uh, review us on iTunes and Audio Boom and all the other podcasting platforms that you'll find us on. Uh, we re really love your feedback. And if you've got some questions, send those as well, and uh, we will um, we'll send them up the pipeline to Asgardia. Until <laughs> next time, thank you for listening to Space Nuts. Space Nuts. You'll be listening to the Space Nuts podcast. Subscribe to the full podcast on iTunes, Audio Boom, and Stitcher, or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Sites.com. Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows.